0: Hello, Precision Insights podcast listeners. This is your host, Dr. Martin Dawes at Genexis Healthcare Systems, thrilled to take you on another journey related to precision medicine. In today's episode, our guest for this journey is Karen Merritt. She's a founding member of a patient advocacy organization called Advocates for Universal DPD-DPYD Testing. Karen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Thanks. Before we jump in, could you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself?
1: Um, sure. Um, about myself specifically, or my 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 store mom story?
0: Um, let's go with you and your mom's story, if the okay. two together.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I am a um a former teacher and uh, live in Seattle, Washington, with uh, My husband and our our youngest is about ready to finish his his final year of high school and will be empty nesters here. Um, And the way I came across um, GeneXus and Manning is through um, some of the great webinars that GeneXus puts on about the great software in pharmacogenomics, which I am passionate about now and knew nothing about it um, until 2014 when my mom was um, diagnosed with colon cancer, was prescribed uh, 5-FU, uh, and she started that treatment on June 9th of 2014, and we lost her on July 2nd, 2014, so not even a month, and um, it was supposed to be a fairly well-tolerated treatment, right? It's very, it's a a common chemotherapy that works wonders for many, yep. but for those that it doesn't work well because of an enzyme deficiency, DPD deficiency, which is a crazy long word, <laughs> dihydropyrimidine, dehydrogenase. Um, I'm so
0: glad you said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I did I did get a Google translator so I could get the the wording. Right, but it's it's very sad that she had a single treatment of this and we were not informed about this potential toxicity if you had an enzyme deficiency because it's not standard of care.
0: So this was just one treatment.
1: One one treatment. Mm-hmm. She had an intravenous treatment.
0: Yeah. And and so this DPD, um you you discovered about that how what, what happened.
1: So when my mom was in the hospital and um, she was struggling, um, the doctor had told us her oncologist on call had said, there's no way for them to have known that um, she could have had this toxic reaction to fly uracil, uh, which I now know with what I've learned and you know, that that's not true. She could have had a DPYD gene panel and it could, it it would have found that she has this star 13 variant. And for that 5-FU is not, is, you know, you shouldn't have it. You can't process it. You lack the enzyme for your body to, to break it down. So it ends up just staying in there and doing more damage. Um, So when my, we were trying to figure out how and what was going on with my mom when she was given this 5-FU, and we came across um, a doctor in, at the Mayo Clinic, and I called him and asked him, you know, what about this? And he recommended we get her blood tested. So the day after she died, we got her last vial of blood tested. And um, unfortunately, her um, the lab that did the test only test for the most common variant Mm -hmm. but according to CPIC guidelines there are four well I have had a test and it's star 13 is the DPYD variant that I have
0: right Um, so you've had to learn a lot about pharmacogenetics um, by the sound of it uh, because you're trotting out these star alleles like they're second nature to you whereas I know that Majority of family physicians and, and many other um uh, specialists and pharmacists is pretty unfamiliar with this terminology.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, did it take you long to to understand it? Was it difficult or
1: um it was a little difficult. We we um talked to a few people and did some reading where you know they break it down when it when you say like this gene tells your body to make this enzyme and then this enzyme breaks down that chemotherapy to make it get out of your body. That makes sense.
0: Yes. Yes. And I I think that's a sort of a mantra that we, or a a saying we have for a lot of teaching with medical students and residents that the, the DNA is making proteins, enzymes to break down or do other things to parts of your body uh, or drugs. So, so you contacted Mayo. They helped you. Uh, your mother had a rare variant, but you have a different variant. For no, the,
1: I, I have the rare variant, the same okay. one that
0: she has. Right. Um, and um, so so what happens now? What what I mean, obviously, this is absolute disaster for you personally. As a family, it must have been absolutely dreadful going through that. Um what what happened? You understood more and, and then what takes place?
1: Yeah, so um, we, we got it um, we figured out what it was, and then what what I think you learn more after you know, like you don't know, you're like in shock. It all happens so fast. But then we uh, we look back at her death certificate that lists cardiac arrest as the number one cause for death. And then it lists, you know, like two, three, and four. And number five is toxicity to fluoropyrimidine chemotherapy. Yeah. And what we now know is we should have fought to have that be listed as number one, because then it would have had to be reported as an adverse drug event, right? Yeah. We, we need more of these adverse drug events so that the FDA and the NCCN and even ASCO will say, Hey, for this, for this medicine, we do recommend testing for these variants before treatment. And what we have learned in creating our nonprofit, um, and we call it audit for short advocates for universal DPD, DPYD testing. Um, what we have learned is, um, those, those bodies don't they're not changing treatment because they feel like they need to have more studies of reduced dosage being efficacious. Yeah. Right. Yes. But when you're a person like my mom or so myself, you can't just give us the first dose at the maximum tolerated, right. What's prescribed because there's no opportunity for a second dose.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, So this DPD deficiency has been known for a long time and it's been studied after studied after studied. And so for, for, um, individuals like myself or the other people that I've met through the advocacy group, we just, we just, we don't understand, you know, we say like, if you can save one life or whatnot, and, and, um, there are other reasons, right, that deep that floral chemotherapy can be toxic. It's not always going to be for a DPD deficiency, but we can at least be saving or preventing suffering for some. Yes.
0: And I assume um, that uh, death. Occurring with this drug um, happens, but uh, maybe adverse events, keeping you in hospital, sending you to the intensive care unit, uh, other things are more common um, with with this variant and the um, oncology treatments.
1: Yeah, well, like when we were, you know, researching, trying to figure out and learning more stories, we were coming across um Stories about patients in England being prescribed or given five uh, FU, and they were administered it in the hospital, yeah. so that they could be watched. Yeah, right. Because if, they knew
0: it was dangerous. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. if
1: you if you have a family member experience it, if you see it happen to somebody, yeah. And I I feel like I've learned I've met so many pharmacists, and they really get it.
0: Yes. So, so um, you 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 react this family tragedy. You turn it into something different and positive to try and alert others. Um, but the message you get is this is a pre- pretty rare event and we don't really need a regulation. But when you're setting up this group, presumably uh, the fact that you've actually got members coming in to help you indicates that it isn't a rare thing, that there are people being affected by this in significant numbers, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, the other group or the other website that we came across was it's called Know the Risks of 5FU Chemotherapy, and that is the gentleman who started that is the president of our advocacy group, and his first wife, Kathy, had a very similar reaction as my mom, colon cancer, first dose, uh, 5FU, and most of the um, people in our advocacy group are people who have lost a loved one because it's, you know, single treatment, not informed about DPD deficiency, and um, had a fatal reaction. We do have a few people who have um, not had a fatal reaction, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. And so, so how is the group going? How How's it, you know, you've been, this is 2014 that it started with, you know, coming up for nine years, I guess. Um, what sort of traction have you had? How's it, how's it, um, is it getting to healthcare organizations and or Medicare and Medicaid saying, yep, we ought to test now before we give this drug?
1: Well, so um, Ken started, Ken Surprenant started the how um, know the risks of 5-FU chemotherapy when his wife died in 2012 um, I met him in 2014 by finding his website, but we didn't really have a, um, a very strong like push. And um, it was about two years ago that we met a a woman, Lindsay Murray um, from Massachusetts, whose mom passed away from Cape Cytobene at mm-hmm. Dana-Farber. And she kind of like reinvigorated Our whole group, and then there had um, so it kind of like lit the flame, and we started getting a little more um, traction, people um, talking to us, and we went to the um, ASCO Quality Care Symposium Mm -hmm. in October 2021. And from that, we kind of decided that we needed to formally be a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So actually, we formally Uh, became a nonprofit in only in April of 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have um, a medical advisory board with a pharmacist and a medical oncologist. And that has um, really helped. So, and we're finding that we're communicating with um, more pharmacists and more oncologists, more businesses that are doing testing and they, they kind of, they feel the same way as us. Like we, we have this science, right? Yeah. Yes. It's for some people, it's a, it's a no brainer. They test every cancer, yeah. right? Get all the genes for all the cancer. Well, Why not test the genes of the person getting the, the medicine? Yeah. Exactly. And what we've, it's supposedly rare, right? But the U S national library of medicines, predicts or says that the number of people with the DPYD variant is somewhere between three and 8%.
0: Really? And
1: so. um, it's estimated that 1300 individuals in the United, in, yeah, in the United States. So Americans, 1300 Americans die from this DPD deficiency after fluoropryrimidine treatment. So that's like six 747 jumbo jets every year. And so we ask ourselves as patient advocates, why do we tolerate this? This would not be tolerated if airplanes are going down every year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So, I mean, this is about informing the the oncologists, uh, I guess, and you're doing that, Um, but Is the cost of the test a barrier, do you think, to uh, the oncologist saying we need this before we start the uh, 5FU?
1: I think in some ways and in some places, yes, it is, especially with the cost of cancer treatment, right? If people are already hurting and then you tell them there's that you tell them about a test, but then you tell them your insurance might not cover it. Yeah. But the tests now are going down. Yeah. Right, you can get it for under five hundred dollars. Yeah, and um, insurance companies, payers are more insurance companies are paying for it. I my insurance company at the time, United Healthcare, they paid for a hundred percent of my DPYD gene panel. Right. right.
0: That's. I mean, I think that's such an important message to get out to people, whether we've got um, professionals listening to the podcast or patients. That there, the, the insurance companies, some of them, are paying hundred percent of this, and um, the the more presumably the more patients and more professionals that lobby the insurance companies and say, "Hey, United Health's paying for this. Why aren't you paying for it?" Uh, then. Uh, thing, things will change, and I think you're right. I mean, it, it, that, that's really good to hear that. That at least some of them are, are recognizing that the use of this test in preventing harm.
1: Yes, and there's even um, legislation in different states trying to get MediCal to to pay for this preemptive testing.
0: Yes, that's. And- I mean that that makes absolute sense, doesn't it? I mean, I don't think there's a, a an argument for not testing someone if you've got the ability to do so and you've got the funding to do so. Um, but is there is there information on the cost effectiveness of of doing this test? Uh
1: yeah, there have been several studies on um that it's cost effective. Um, I believe that um I don't know specifically which studies, but there there are um institutions, medical institutions that have done their own studies, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Of and it's cost effective for for them. Um, and well, I mean, just in my mom's experience, she was in the hospital, you know, she had a infectious disease doctor, she had a lung specialist, she had An oncologist, or I'm trying to think what other visit, and she was in the hospital for almost two weeks, round the clock care. Right. You know, Medicare paid for that, and they could have just decided let's pay for a five hundred dollar test.
0: Sure. And and those five hundred dollar tests that you're talking about those those are not just DPD or DPYD. They they actually include other things within them, don't they? Uh, um, Usually
1: they can yes for instance yeah. i did a um direct to consumer test myself right and so i now know about other um genes variants that i have as far as medication processing goes yeah. so that was a full pharmacogenomics panel when yeah. i the test that i got from my primary care provider was a single gene panel and yeah. i think there's issues with that too right like yeah. Why would we want to test for a yeah. single gene? If we're going to be testing the blood, let's let's do all, yes. all the ones that we know.
0: I think that's right. And I think also for people who are thinking about pharmacogenetic tests for some conditions um, and, and therapies, maybe hearing this might make them go, I better just check that the panel has this because you no know, i may not have cancer now but it'd be quite useful to have this information if i did um and also in, important for the, my family because as you pointed out if 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 one person in the family's got this variant then others may and be very important for them
1: yeah
0: yeah so what What are the next steps with the um, the organization then? What, what are you actually doing over the next months in terms of promoting this idea of ensuring everyone gets this test before they get the treatment?
1: so we are we are talking to um, Cpic mm-hmm. um, We have been um, trying to get the Amer- American or Association of Molecular Pathologists to okay. recommend. Testing for five for fluoropyrimidine. Yeah. Um, chemotherapy. And I, I say fluoropririmidine because that includes 5FU, which is the intravenous, and then the oral drug, which yeah. is precursor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Cape which more a lot of people know of it um, as Zalota. Yeah. Um, we are um, taking part in, I think there's a a World Health Organization. Um, Patient Safety Day coming up in March. Great, yeah. Um, adverse Drug of Awareness. Yeah. So, or drug event. Um, last month, I spoke at the Precision Medicine World Conference. Excellent. As a patient advocate, um, we will be, um, we have a booth at the American Society of Clinical Oncologists annual meeting in June. Great. Um, so, and we are working with um, two large labs in the United States that, on their DPYD panel, they only have one variant. We're wow. trying to encourage them to increase the variants that are known and to follow CPIC guidelines. Yeah. Um, we and when we talk to various people, we we do like to point out that Europe is paving the way in pharmacogenomics. And how can this be? Um, We have... um, I'm trying to think what's coming up in the next couple of months.
0: Um, I mean, I think that what you're pointing out is that you've got quite a lot of outreach going on with various conferences and things. But, you know, this podcast does reach people. um, And if they interested in knowing more um can they come to your website or how would they get in touch or you know if they've got family members who may have gone through seminars is, is that the sort of contacts that would help you do you think
1: oh yes yeah we um we have a website it's test the number four dpd.org and they can learn more they can contact us um and we're happy to you know provide some guidance in who to talk to um, or to give them on that website, they can also find some points to like, what, what do I do? How do I ask my oncologist for this test? Yeah. Um, And yeah, one of the things that we're all doing is reaching out to the um, institutions and the medical centers that are in our local cities. So um, my mom died in Phoenix, Arizona. So Mm -hmm. trying to get that, hospital their information about if they're testing. I'm in Seattle where Fred Hutch Cancer Center is and have spoken to um, some people there, and I'm happy to, to report that they are going to be um, planning an implementation of DPYD testing before treatment. So I think when you do, like you said, the patient experience, and then you talk to somebody who's an oncologist who oh. has seen patients go through so they they know what you're talking about right they've yeah, seen yeah, this yeah. patient go through this and they're like oh yeah um yeah. we need we need to be testing for this so the number of cancer cancer centers um, that are testing for it is increasing and what our hope would be because if you're just talking to the large medical centers what about the community centers so if if this can be if the FDA and the NC um cn and asco like make a decision like then then it'll rip r- ripple out to all of the um, cancer centers or all of the oncologists in the United States right now if we're only talking to the large medical centers
0: yeah
1: it is concerning for the community centers right yes. the community cancer centers yes um, and we will um ken supernot the president of our um advocacy group, he learned that a citizen can write an FDA petition. Uh-huh. And so he's written two citizen petitions with help from our medical advisory board. And um, the FDA has answered um back not as strongly as we want, but in December 2014, as part, of, as they answered part of the petition in response or in conjunction with project renewal mm-hmm. that the FDA is doing, where they're updating the labels of older approved oncology drugs. So now um, they, from December fourteenth, they came back and they are going to change the labeling for Cape And so now oncologists or medical, you have to inform the patients about the about DPD deficiency and that there is a test. Uh They don't recommend the test.
0: No, but I mean, if you say that there is, that's actually a a major step forward, isn't it? So North America may catch up with the Europeans.
1: Yes, because right before before December 14th, it was on the patient to know you were deficient.
0: And no patient is going to, I mean, you you you've got cancer, your brain is is you know going 12 to the dozen, and you just can't think straight anyway to be able to ask so many of these questions. Um so yeah, and actually have the oncologist responsible for saying, yeah, uh there is this test, and before you start treatment, um you could have this test. Yes. So- so that's, that's, that's all in, in that sounds like you've you really got this moving and that within then months you might see large change and many more people having the test done before getting the treatment because the treatment works, doesn't it? I mean it, it's a very effective chemotherapy um, when it's tolerated.
1: Right. Right. So I wouldn't
0: like people to go away thinking, oh, I shouldn't take that drug. The point we're trying to make is that this drug is is safe if you've had the test and you know that you're not one of these people who, um, don't metabolize the drug properly.
1: Correct. Yeah. It's, I think we've read, it's like, it's a mainstay cancer drug. It's been around for, for a long time. Um, and and it's great that it helps a lot of people that the people who, that it doesn't help. We should, we should be protecting them
0: yeah, And as you said, it's used for a lot of cancers. I mean, we're talking not just about rare cancer, but you're talking about breast cancer, colon cancer. Um, you know, the, the large numbers of people may be considering uh, or be considered for this therapy um, right. across North America. So this, in as you talked earlier, the amount of harm, the number of people, the 747s going down um, each year. This is a a significant problem. This isn't a rare disease, not saying rare diseases shouldn't be looked at, but it's, this is very serious and impacting so many people.
1: Yes, I agree. We've, um, I, when I was at that Precision Medicine World Conference, University of California, San Francisco presented there. And yesterday on Valentine's Day, they implemented a 17 gene 62 drugs yes pgx program yeah and um they um are not the only one like a few days after that i heard university of pittsburgh medical center so it's it's like a snowball it's
0: yes but you've got to keep working at it because these snowballs can stop and you need to keep the momentum going and more of these organizations to, um, you know, the UCSF is not going to undertake a decision like that lightly and, and presumably they've explored all the cost effectiveness, clinical effectiveness before deciding, okay, we're going to implement this. So uh, yeah, it's uh, need organizations like yours to continue to push Um, so that people get reimbursed so that this is easier for them because you know if you're faced with cancer and and financial decisions about the therapy as you say having a a cost of a test on top of it uh yeah it's it's hard
1: yeah i i read that some um some places are even if there is a test because the cost of the tests are so low they'll they'll take the hospital or cancer center will pay for the cost of the test and not make the patient pay for it because they want to be careful
0: yeah is there anything else at this stage i think we're coming up to time uh, that you wanted to add
1: um no i i am so um delighted to be able to have had this conversation with you and to just be you know the whole goal of our advocacy group is to be talking to people so that we can get more people aware about DPD deficiency and to change the standard of care in the United States so that it that this testing will be standard. And some oncologists say, well, you know, it's going to take so long to get the testing back. And, um, the oncologist on our medical board, he he quickly has solved that and tells me the other oncologist, when you see that patient as an at their intake appointment, you just order the DPYD test on the same time. And odds are they're you know, by the time the MRI results or their other scan results come back or their, um, their tumor staging Test, right. You'll have this DPYD panel test. And now some hospitals that are doing their in-house testing are getting them back in two to three days. Yeah. Yeah. So the turnaround time is, is much lower. The cost is lower. Yes. Payers are paying for it. And um, I think just people just need to be aware. Yeah. And now um, patients are being a little more directed in asking for their own care. Yeah. Uh, so, our hope is that this will um, become standard of care sooner than later. And we will continue to to hound the NCCN to change their guidelines and, um, um, and um, ASCO to change their guidelines and the FDA. So it's just kind of like this circle we're waiting for one of them to.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm really sorry that you know for the the origin of your involvement, but in a in a way you've made such a difference um, to so many other people's lives by the work that you are doing. Um, that uh, we all owe you a a big debt of gratitude and and thanks to the work you are doing and your organization is doing. So thank you so much for your time um, and, and hearing about this issue and the ways that you are solving it as patients. So thanks very much, Karen.
1: Thank you.